I don't even know really what it is. It was just my right side was just kind of tight all game. It was not like one pitch where I grabbed me and stuff like that. It was in the bullpen warming up. And it was just, all right, let's get to 100 pitches. Um, and we're, we're good to go. Like, I was not, never felt like a threat kind of thing of an injury the whole game. It was just that long last inning where they had a mound visit and stuff like that. It just never got, like, it got even like, a little bit more, more tight, I would say. And then I yanked that one change up, and I was like, I, I, I would either have to, like, really get out there and extend um, to know where the ball's going, or it's like, all right, this is just, let's just be smart and not do something stupid right here. So I just erred on the side of caution a little bit and said, all right, that's, like, my time's done. You know what the hardest job in Toronto is? Talk to me. Not working with me. It's editing Chris Bassett's quotes and clips down to down to 20 seconds. He thinks about it. He does. I'm not. I'm he not, does. No, I'm, hey, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Uh, and I know what he means about wanting to get to 100 pitches. I just want to get to 100 words today. That'll be a uh, <laughs> successful show. It's Blair and well, Barker. You've already got to like 70. So you're. It is uh, Blair and Barker. On uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. And if you're listening via podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast, Blue Jays uh, winning last night uh, over Chicago. I, I, every time I watch the White Sox, I'm just surprised. I, I come away even more surprised at how bad they are. But a 5-2 uh, win for the Blue Jays last night. The second game in that series goes tonight at 7.07. A reminder, the third game of the series tomorrow is an afternoon game. And with that, we commence a meeting of the Cavan Biggio Appreciation Society in Toronto. It's all you. Uh, Kevin Barker, Cavan Biggio's three-run homer. The uh, big blow of the game. And, well, it came after you and uh, Mr. John Schneider had a, had a lengthy conversation on the field that required me to move <laughs> off to the side. Because it was getting a little heated. Not really. No, it was, was that's, a, now. that's a lie. That, I, I, that's a I lie. Just, I had to move off but, to the but side. But a big topic of conversation for whatever reason is Kevin. Like, oh, I know what the, to- the reason was. You walked easy. up to him and said, you know, everybody in the city doesn't like Kevin Biggio. That's, that's why it was a topic of conversation. <laughs> that's exactly what I, I said. I know it's exactly what you said. It was at that point that I left. <laughs> and it's not, it's not true. There's, nothing, it's there's, not. A, there's no reason to dislike <laughs> Kevin Biggio. Anyhow. That's exactly what I said. I know it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, look, it's I need I. It was more of me trying to find an answer to how am I going to be a little nicer because I knew what you were going to come on here and say because I looked at the lineup and I saw that he was in it, and I was thinking to myself, he's hitting a buck twenty. He goes over three with two punches and maybe doesn't get a bunt down. I know you're going to be the first guy well, to lamb base him, no, no, and me. I needed some little, you know, some some insight on how to massage my way around that. And I was told, don't do that. He said, John, I don't think mine's me saying that he said that they've already had conversations with Kevin and said, hey, it's time. Like it's, you know, we're, we're about, it's about that first month of the season where you're trying to figure out where your roster's going and, and who belongs and who doesn't. And it's sort of rubber met the road when it comes to a player Quite frankly, it's we we sort of know who he is, right? Khakis love him, like the you know seven eight pitch out. They love that, right? It's taking the pitch, it's working the count. Three minutes, it's fifty nine seconds to hit the khaki button. Stuff. We need it's, a khaki button, Lance. Every time he says khaki, <laughs> something like that, you know. 
It's uh, it's or drink. They they are they are. It's a little too early to drink, even in Toronto. It's never too early to drink. Holy moly! But I was trying to have a conversation too because I'm a big Kevin fan. He is he is a very not not a ton of people get opportunities to walk up and have conversations with him, and I'm lucky enough to do that. It's not lack of effort. He's trying to do everything he can. He's he's a he's a great kid. It just, for whatever reason, it's not working out for him. And I think that sort of, you know, look, you're uh, we're fans of yours, but this is the big leagues. We're well, trying to win a World Series here, and we need you to sort of turn the corner. And then I said, well, my ob- next obvious question would be, why is he in the lineup? And the next thing out of his mouth was, is I love his bat path against Lance Lynn's breaking ball. And what did he what hit did for he a home run? run? So I John just, Schneider is a genius. Absolutely, and that's exactly what I texted him. I know, he, I did. and I he sent it. me a gift back that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that wouldn't just, be the blind yeah, squirrel yeah. finding a nut gift, would it, by any chance? <laughs> yeah, just you got him. Yeah, I mean, we joke. We trying to joke about this because he does. Kevin does work very hard. And he's trying to figure things out, and and he's very lucky that he has a guy like John Snyder in his yes, corner. Yes, he is. I mean, let's well, be honest. He's Jeff, also because I said that to John. I never had no manager that would stick up for me when I said a buck twenty. I'd be in yeah. double A. So good for John, I guess, and good for Kevin. And but again, Kevin's going to have to. Well, here, here's bats have to be better. He has to have a little bit more success than he's had lately. Yo, I mean, let's let's cut to the. Cut to the chase here. I thought I just did. You did, but I'm going right. to cut cut her to the chaser, chaserier, whatever. Yeah, that wasn't the right phrase, cut to the chase. Oh. Basically, what we are saying is Kevin Biggio needs to ratchet it up if he is going to be on this team in another no two or question. three weeks. No question. That's simple. I mean, there there, you there's, you know, there's stuff... Mm-hmm. It, it, the the whole the whole lefty adding bounce to the lineup thing doesn't uh, apply. It doesn't him. apply because, quite <laughs> frankly, the way Whit I mean, who gives you a better chance against a right-hander right now, Whit Merrifield or Kevin Biggio? Whit. I mean, that's just that, that that's just a fact. His defensive utility, yes, his defensive utility ha- has got some value. But even yesterday, we saw Santiago Espinal throwing. Uh, during batting practice, he had the brace or whatever it was on his hand yeah, off. He's not going on the IL. They had Otto Lopez now remember, with him. They sent Otto Lopez with back they, to with Buffalo. With who they have playing center field every single day, with who they have playing Correct. right field every single day, they're going to need somebody to fill in that blank. Yeah, but and, and I think John's – is John more comfortable with Witten left than he is in right? I don't think it really matters. Okay. I think it's – Depends on who's point out of the is, game and point is, who's playing second. If you're Kevin Biggio, you got to get at it because we are at the point where the left-handedness is not – Doesn't apply to him. Doesn't apply. Because he's hitting a buck 20. Yeah. 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 I mean, I did my best to go to him because I think enough of Kevin Biggio, and I've been there. I, I've struggled before. I've never had a manager that goes to bat for – for a player like John has, I well, never a combination had one of, those, of things but, too. I I also yeah. think, I, I mean, good for John and good for Kevin to be able to have a guy that will go to bat for him. But again, I but think I, that, I, I think that's think, getting a little shorter. Yeah, but I also think it that is. that's a product of uh, that's a product of the way teams are now reading and utilizing data on things like bat paths and that. No question. Uh, you know that that is that sure. it, Kevin Biggio's bat has some you. It's got it's got some utility. They're a fan of the eight pitch out. So I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know why, but they are. 
Well, they and, like it. You know, the, 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 I, I'm a, I'm not a fan of the eight pitch out when it's a called third strike. See, that's kind of where I that's where I'm I come down. I'm not either, but for whatever reason, every time I've asked about that certain player, they all start with the same answer. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. uh, shout out to Chris Bassett, six in the third innings, three hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts, three walks, 98 pitches, 61 strikes. You heard from him earlier. He took himself out of the game with back tightness in the seventh inning. Uh, Kevin, it was fun watching you like chart his pitches. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and well, I'll just let you kind of break down, not just the pitch. Again, he threw, he threw the kitchen sink. He did. And that's, that's probably he why he put his back out because he was lifting I'm the, sure the kitchen is. sink. <clears throat> but yeah. he threw the kitchen sink to Talk to me though about the 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 differential in, no in the speeds I mean, of his pitches. I mean, we saw as high as, high as ninety four. We saw as low as sixty nine. The curve, if a sixty I, mile if an hour just, curve. If I just read those two numbers to you, and I say, if I'm a hitting coach, and I say this to one of the hitters on the other team that have to face Chris, and I'm, what's your game plan? Am I scooting closer to the plate? Am I trying to eliminate four out of the seven pitches? Am I trying to eliminate half the field? Am I trying to go the other way? I don't think you can go the other way. He throws too soft. He throws too much soft stuff for strikes, for quality strikes. I mean, he can elevate a curveball at 69. He can throw a curveball that has a little bit more bite to it down and away. I just don't know how you attack that. So it's just – it's. And it, oh, by the way, he calls his own game. <clears throat> like to just fathom and watch him do all of these things and be able to have the numbers, the curveball at 69 and the fastball at 94, that big of a difference. It's almost 25 miles an hour. That is 25. That is crazy. Like that is. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just when it's like I was, approximately when 25 was, miles an hour. Difference. When I was sitting over there watching that and, and you actually pointed that out, you were like, holy moly, how does the guy, uh, I don't know. The game plan against that. You don't, I mean, if he's throwing the secondary stuff for strikes, you don't like, you just go up there hoping on this. And the thing you is, guess, right. Catch one. It's a little elevated and you can pull it. And the thing is the 69 isn't an accident. He could, he could, un, he could, he could flip you a 68-mile-an-hour curve as well. About, is what's great about that, you watch him from the front, you watch him from the side, you watch him from the back. I've done all three of those. Can you tell the difference? No. Does he slow it down? Does he give the 69 away? Does he give the 94 away? All the things he does, I, it's crazy. Like, I, to think that what they were paying for, what we saw the first couple of games with the pitch timer and, you know, the I can't believe I'm getting hit this hard. I've never, you know, seven of my pitches have never been hit like this to what we're seeing now and how easy it looks and the throwing strike ones. Now, he did have five three-ball counts, which is a lot for him because he's not 97, 98, right. and, you know, he's got to get after guys a little bit earlier in counts. He was 17 for 27 in strike ones. I mean, it's good enough. Uh, he had three walks, one of them scored. Like, you'd like to see that number down a little bit. But, I mean, I, he gave up three hits. I mean, I know the White Sox is not a great hitting team. But yeah, the element of surprise with him, he's so unpredictable. He throws all of them. for. He got seven of them. He throws them for strikes. And the speed difference between the breaking ball. I mean, just think about that, Jeff. I I the the sweeper's 72, the sinker's 91 to 93, the cutter's 89, the changeup's 84, the slider's 79, his curveball's 69. <clears throat> I don't know how you hit it. I guess you don't. When he's when he's throwing them off for strikes and he can have that big of a difference between the mile per hour, it's it's gonna be a long day for you as a hitter. Uh George Springer was given the day off yesterday, so John Schneider just moved everybody up in the batting order. 
uh, and and George Springer did come in as a he did. Well, as a, as a, as a you, made me, you made me think of a, of a, of a funny story. Whenever we were standing around, we were talking. We were making fun of Joe Siddle's pants. And, Joe Siddle, and, uh, he's Joe, Siddle Joe Siddle wore khakis <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Guess, oh, I love Joe. Guess which? <laughs> guess which? Uh, guess which redneck was all tied tied up in knots about that? I laughed. Give me a good laugh for fifteen minutes. Anyway, there was somebody's glove. You know, there was like six of us standing around. We were talking about whatever we were talking about, yeah. and I was hugging out Joe because I was making poking fun at him because it was funny. And there was a glove. It it was there a, was a glove between us. Yeah, it was Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, and he walked over and he's like, "Excuse me, I got to pick up my platinum glove." And I just I lost it. Like I, for him to actually say it out loud because I'd never seen one really. I seen some ones with gold on it, but I'd never really. Can seen I tell one you something? The, yeah, it's not real platinum. It's not. No. Hey, well, you don't ruin it. Anyway. I mean, it's a different color than gold. Can we agree on that? Yeah. And then you see him in the outfield, the jumps he gets that he on balls he should never catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the straight lines that he runs to balls, he runs with his eyes up on the baseball, which is very hard to do because your eyes move a lot. That's why a lot of or most uh, outfielders – put their head down, they run to a spot, they look up because it's easier to, you know, see the ball better that way. He doesn't do that. Maybe that has something to do with the drop, and it's very hard to take your eye off the ball and, and keep up with it. And then the dive he had. You know, he he dives feet first, and he kicked himself off to the side, so it gave him a better chance to be able to maneuver his glove back and forth to catch baseballs. I mean, it's elite stuff, right? It's so I just thought of that funny story, and then you ruined it. And then I thought of how good the routes were, how good of an outfielder he I mean, is. They ruined the story. I don't know. I mean, you you'd have to tell me it's not real. I sort of probably knew that, but what, what wasn't real? The platinum. Oh, well, jeez. I mean, anyway, they got a really good outfield defense. Yes, especially in center. Yes. Can we Tons talk about leads. two. Can we talk about two hit wit? <clears throat> I mean, well, <laughs> I, that that was another conversation I was having with John is because of the way he's doing. He's going to put some pressure on those guys that are at the back end of your roster to start putting up, right? He's putting a little pressure because he's starting to become too hit wet again. And I just don't think it's by accident, right? I, I, you know, he went through the thing last year where he had a longer stride which he was bent over a little bit more. You see him a lot with the hand direction, right? He'll he'll take a bad swing, and he'll do that with his bottom hand to tell his hands to just, you know, have the right direction towards the baseball. The barrel will follow, but that starts from the ground up. His stride is shorter, which in turn keeps him more straight up and down, which allows him to have better hand direction. And if you can do that, which allows the barrel to get to more baseballs. Now he can pull a fastball that's 96, like we saw last night. That's a pretty good heater. He got the head out. He gets the RBI, right? He can take the breaking ball because he can let it travel now because he has a better lower half. The hand direction's better. I can foul that off to fight for another pitch. It's You can see why I think that they were very interested in getting him over here because he's a veteran guy. He understands his lower half himself, what he can do with his swing, and he's an asset to this team, right? He is one of those guys that can sort of solidify the back end of their lineup, flip it over for the big guys, and occasionally get a big hit like he's it's, been getting them. It's funny when, you, and I'm just going back through my scorebook, but you look at games that the Jays have won, <clears throat> and it is remarkable how often Whit Merrifield has been in the middle 
of things that have happened, right? Whether it's driving in a runner, scoring a runner, drawing a walk, it, or, or taking the extra base. He got base. the hit before Kevin hit the three-run yeah, homer. It, it's little things like that you're it, talking it, about. Exactly. Yeah. He, he uh, it, because it's not just the guy in the number nine spot that turns the order over, right? You, it helps to have, it helps to have the guy, the, the guys in front of you. But yeah, listen, I, I've seen enough from Whit, Whit Merrifield to me. He's my everyday second baseman. Yeah, I don't know if they want him that. Yeah. I, I think he's sort of like the hybrid guy. He's going to play a little left. He'll play a little right. He'll play a little second. He wants to – John thinks, you know, just because of how they're using their outfielders and because of the way Witt's hitting now is you have to have him in a lineup. And that bat path thing, I mean, everybody rolls their eyes at that. No, if you, it's, if you want to get listen. Kevin in the game like they did last night, you know, you're giving Georgia a breather. You're putting Kevin in right. You'll put uh, you Witt at second base. So you're there's – Places to maneuver guys around because of the way they're hitting. And, yeah, it's just, again, it it gets back to who can give it to you at the back end of your lineup. He seems to be one of those guys. Now he looks like he's got a lot of confidence. You can tell there's not a lot of thinking involved. You know, last year when he got here, you could tell, boy, he took a bad swing. It was like churning. How, I've never felt that way before. What, what, what's going on here? Like you could actually see him thinking it out loud. I'm not. I'm just now not, he's not certain. Doing so much of that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely certain he was. He was ever comfortable here uh, last year. Yeah, and I don't. I don't mean that in a negative way. I've just a, a, a trade odd, at the trade deadline. Him, right. He's always been a. He's always been a Kansas royal. Said, yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, but he's. 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 He's really. He's kind of growing on me. He's a good player. And I think he's. He. he he's that's exactly player. what he is. That's he is exactly what he is. Not a great player. He's a good player. Good player. Championship teams. Need Whit Merrifield. Yes. How's that? That is uh, very well put. Uh, give you an idea of what is uh, going to happen today in the show. Joe Kelly, White Sox reliever, scheduled to join us. We're going to talk not just about uh, Joe Kelly coming off the IL. He's available now. Uh, we're also going to talk about his book, A Damn Near Perfect Game, written with our friend Rob Manfred. Or Rob Manfred. <laughs> Rob Bradford. Rob Manfred is a friend of ours. Hell, from Thanks, what I read, Rob Manfred might as well have written the damn book because he's in it an awful lot. Uh, Joe Kelly managed to get, which is kind of a neat idea, an active player getting an interview. I, that's the first thing I thought of. How, with how many active players have written books? Yeah. Well, and those who have it generally torched a lot of bridges. Yeah. But, uh, Joe Kelly is one of the game's original original thinkers. He's one of the game's really fun individuals. We, we look forward to that. Uh, John Morosi will join us as well. We Folks, we've got to talk about the Rays. We're going to get sick talking about the Rays, but they won again. Ah. Uh, a too early to give them the division, obviously, but man, oh man! And, and now they're playing. You know, now they're playing some major league teams, right? They're done with the Washington Nationals and and teams like that. Are they twenty and three, and they've won fourteen in a row at the Trop? It's crazy, right? And it's interesting. Seven and three in their last ten. They're six and three on the road. Two of those losses. Two of those losses to the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, it's just they've lost one other game. Other than uh, they've lost to one other team, other than the Blue Jays, which is 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 kind of interesting. Um, and I guess if you if you're a Blue Jays optimist, would would mean something. Uh, Nate Pearson was called up yesterday. Adam Simber went in the IL with a rhomboid uh, injury. You know, we we were kind of wondering about Adam Simber, and John Schneider said he. I mean, Adam Simber's Adam Simber has almost become 
unpitchable against left-handers this year. And that was not the case last year. His numbers against left-handers were okay last year. It wasn't that enough of a split that you'd necessarily panic. He's almost become unpitchable against left-handers yeah. this year. We were kind of wondering why. You know, John Schneider did say that he's kind of had this thing even – or I'm sorry, not this thing, but he's been out of – a little bit out of whack, even in spring training. If you remember, I think there was a time in spring training where we hardly even saw. Sure. We hardly even saw Adam Simber. As a result of that, Nate Pearson is up, and John Schneider yesterday was pretty clear in his media availability how they're going to use him. It's going to be, he's not going to be pitching in the eighth or ninth inning. Nope. It's going to. At least to, for now. At least for now. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be when he has a clean inning. Yep. And they would like to see. And I think this tells you the direction they're going. They'd like to see if they they like to see if he's a guy that could give him an inning in a third, or an inning in in two thirds. In other words, a guy who could who a guy who could be your your classic they middle reliever. Use the hundred mile an hour fastball. Right, and the trickle no down question. the trickle down impact of that is that you you know you create a little more of a buffer for Swanson and 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 Garcia. You don't want to have to use Garcia. Frankly, you don't want to have to use Garcia for an inning and a third anymore. I think if you're the Jays, you'd like to have this set up so that you could just use your guys. A lot to ask all year from a guy, yeah, who's a little older. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Look, the the most interesting thing, and, I mean, everybody you talked to yesterday when we were on the field at least – we're very excited to see Nate. Like so it, it 64% was, of his strikes for K's at AAA. And that's the, that's the one thing that every conversation yes. that I had with people that matters around that team were saying, this is the first time that Nate's actually earned his right to be a big leaguer. Yeah. It's not just because he's the number one prospect. He's a giant dude. He thinks everybody can throw 110. Yeah. No, he went down and earned it. And I think that's sort of giving him hope that now it's, if you come up here and you show him something, you'll be a big leaguer. It's not just that he went down and earned it in AAA. I know he wasn't in winter ball for a long time, but the fact he went down to winter ball, sure, I think showed this organization a little something because we talked about this. Not many guys go down to winter ball anymore not many yeah. top not many guys who were top prospects as as much as two well, years ago I, I mean it, it is an acquired taste there are a lot of guys who would have flat out said especially especially guys with big reps kevin there are a lot of guys who would have said no i'll work i'll work at the pitching facility or well, I'll, I'll work nate, with I my think, dude i think nate where he's at in his career was past saying no if you were told to go somewhere because of where he's at because of what he's not been doing it was time for but him to go down and our understanding around it, Nate. Our understanding is he years, went our understanding is he went willingly. He, like they didn't needed, have to they didn't have to The conversation around Nate, and I need to try and say this nicely, was warranting him going to winter ball and playing in an atmosphere where he had to go out and handle that. Yeah. And it's good for him, right? It was good for him to hear the booing and the yelling and the, you know, having rocks thrown at you. That's all part of winter ball. That's fun. Like, a, you got you to let that roll off your I, – I, yeah. that's funny. You throw it back at him. Funny. Like, he's got to – he had to go through that. It was good for him. And you yeah. could tell he, he sounds like he's mentally stronger for it. Like, he just seems like, you know, the breaking ball is a little slower now, well, which will make the, the fastball play up more. He's got He's got 100 miles – He's got a fastball that can hit 100. And now we're led to believe, and Dan, Dan Shulman was talking about this. I, I haven't seen him pitch. I haven't seen any of his video. I watched a little video. Pitching but... AAA, but we're led to believe that he's now got that slow, slightly slower, slower curve. Yep. So explain to me how that is a good combination of pitches for Nate 
as opposed to sinker, or I'm sorry, as opposed to fastball slider. We, we, we just talked about Chris Bassett and the difference between his curveball <clears throat> velocity and his fastball velocity. Nate Pearson's no different. If I can throw, now he has to throw him for strikes at the big league level or they're going to eliminate it and the hundred's not going to play. No. They're used to seeing hundreds. Like, yeah. it's not a big saw deal. 100, 100 rolled out of the White Sox bullpen Absolutely. yesterday. It wasn't very good. So they they were spitting on that and seeing it out of their hands. And, like, that's not a big deal. But if you can come up, I think it's more about him controlling a secondary pitch better. If I want to grip it, chuck it, and it, I don't really know where it's going, it's sort of – eliminates the thought of me thinking that I can go to the big leagues with two pitches and be successful. Now, because I've slowed it down a little bit and I know where it's going and I can control that and maybe I can be a little unpredictable. You know what that 100 looks like now? Not 100. Looks 102, 103. Now I'm cheating to get to it because it's got a little extra gear to it. That's the difference. That's what they're hoping for. But again, it gets back to that atmosphere thing. We need to now see him go out on a big league mound and act just like he acted in winter ball and AAA spring training. Come up here and show some people some things. Like, do it with a little attitude. Like, do it like I, I got 100. I'm a big dude. That's the first thing I noticed when I shook his hand yesterday. He looked awfully – he looked bigger to me. He's he probably not bigger but because that's been a while since I've seen him up close and personal and shaking his hand. But, man, he looks really big. So, that'd be a feather in their cap if they could figure that out. Oh, my goodness. And he could come in. I, now, I'm not real sure that I'm on board with him throwing an inning plus. I think the more you see him because he's got two pitches. But I like the – yeah, hundreds for three guys, and he comes in, and he can, you know, be efficient, and he can throw a couple of pitches for strikes. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's just, yeah, the the inning and a third is just a it, it's a thing. I mean, you know, it's possible that they might just third out of an inning and then come back and get the yeah. three outs the next inning. That's what um, you're talking about. Yeah, and and you know, the ability to come in when you need a strikeout and end an inning, and then come back out and start start the next inning. But they're again, that that's not what they're they're talking about him coming out with a clean inning, starting an inning. So maybe the sixth inning of a game. I just I, they sent a message by telling him you have to earn it. Yeah. You're not coming to the big leagues unless you earn it. He earned it. 707 is the first pitch tonight. A reminder, tomorrow's game is at 107 at the Rogers Center. Kevin and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk following tomorrow, I'm sorry, following uh tonight's game and uh following Wednesday's game. As well, we are uh, going to go to the back leg line at 416-413-3959 in a couple of minutes. We've also got, as per usual, Blue Jays tickets to give away. Um, John Paul Morosi will join us as well in the 11 o'clock hour. Joe Kelly uh, also uh, coming along as uh, we continue the show. So, we talked about Chris Bassett. Uh, we talked about Nate Pearson Zach Pop was good. Up. Zach Pop looked good. He did look good. So here, here's the thing. Let's, for argument's sake, let's give, let's say that Nate Pearson is good enough to stay. And I think it's safe to say that because he's no longer like Nate Pearson prospect, he's Nate Pearson uh, minor league pitcher, you know, potential major league pitcher. Let's say that he's good enough to he's good enough to stay here, which the Jays would love because they'd like to have that that velo out of the bullpen. Sure. How do you think that impacts other roles in this in, in other spots well, I mean, in this the, bullpen? The obvious guy would be Trevor Richards. No, I don't know. I just I got to find out because there's some misunderstanding if if Trevor Richards and Adam Simber have options left. 
Um, I mean, that clearly factors into any decision if they were to send if they were to send somebody out. Yeah, look, I, I think this all comes down to Nate. I, th- I think if Nate pushes their hand, you'd rather see the hundred than you would the ninety-two of the championship. Oh yeah, Nate, Nate's going to push somebody out of a job no, no, if he's no good. He, he pushes no, somebody out of a job. This is about winning. This is about winning. It's not about feelings. Right. So you know, you, it's the two obvious guys, Adam Simber and Trevor Richards. I mean, Zach Pop. You'd think because of when he's pitching now and the way it looks, and they're fans. Like the, mm-hmm. they they are they are screaming about how much they like him, and everybody else is sort of filling the blanks. Right? You're not sending Tim Mesa down. Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, Jordan Romano, those those guys are all safe. So it just seems to me like it'd be two people. But I would throw in the third, and that third being Nate Pearson. If Nate Pearson comes in here and starts dominating people, I mean, then it's then it's one of the two guys. It's Simber Richards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're right. They do like Zach Pop. He's he, I for for me. I like I, Zach Pop too. For, for, for me, for me, it's not about anymore about uh, options. It's about who's the best guy you got to help you win baseball games, especially now the division is the way it is. The Orioles in second place. See the thing with the, the Rays are are the thing. The thing with Ken, nineteen and thir- twenty and three. The thing with Trevor Richards though, for 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 a team that just has one left-hander, I still think that change is is. I guess might be the separator. I mean, I, 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 mean, I got Swanson for that. I got uh, the, oh, that's, the, the three, right. the three right. high leverage guys at the back end. If the only reason why you're keeping a guy in. Is to what? I mean, you're bringing Trevor Richards in with a one-run lead with a lefty coming up and a runner on second. You'd like to not. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it'll be an interesting thing to work out. And again, we get back to that, Jeff. That month thing, the first month of the season is where you're trying to figure out what you got. We talked about that with Kevin Biggio. Now you're sort of trying to figure out how to finalize, at least for a little while, who is best for your team going forward. And if Nate Pearson can throw the hundred where he wants it to go, and the slow little get me over breaking ball, I look, you do what you have to do. I am just looking here options according to uh, Fangraphs roster resource. Adam Simber has options left. Uh, Trevor Richards does not have options left. And I think that is yeah, Anthony Bass. Uh, you, Jimmy Garcia. So yeah, so that that's according to uh, fan graphs, and and you're right. I, I I mean I am I am with you in that. I think at this point, I, I understand this organization thinks that every, I mean thinks that every one of of its relievers is gold and is very true, is very reluctant to just lose a guy in waivers, but. It is. It has to be about performance at yeah, this at this point in yeah, time. Yeah, and I, I don't like doing this. And, and I, you can throw Anthony Bass in there too. The, the slider, for whatever reason, glove side, arm side, has not been the way it was last year, which sort of puts John Snyder and Pete Walker in a little bit of a pickle of when you're trying to use him. Now, yeah. now you know your your the pockets have gotten real small. Like it's almost got to be a perfect pocket to bring in Anthony Bass and what the scoreboard's telling you and the one run leads that he would come in last year. Do you feel confident enough to bring him in this year because of the way the slider's looking? So you probably could throw his name in there too. But I look, this is a good problem. Yeah. Like you're uh, every everything <laughs> that I got yesterday when I was talking to some people that matter around that team were thinking, man, if Nate can get this thing going and show us something. Well, that's good. And if Nate gets it going, and and I'm going to throw Chad Green's name out there again, yeah, you, we don't later. we don't know what he's going to give them. But if he's healthy, he certainly all of a sudden now you add Chad Green and Nate Pearson to a bullpen that includes Romano Swanson, uh, Jimmy Garcia, Zach Pop. 
Looks better. Looks much better. I mean, I'm not I'm not on board yet to throw the Nate Pearson thing that far in there because you got to see it on a mound at the big league level. Right. But he's earned it. Yeah. That's that's I and I'll put I, it, I, I like saying that word. He's earned it. Let me put it to you this way before we break. Let me put it to you this way. I think we feel that there is a better chance that Nate Pearson sticks this time than at any other point Boom. in his career. Boom. Right? Well said. The back leg line is 416-413-3959. Your opportunity to leave questions or comments for Kevin. We will go to the back leg line when we come back. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Jose Barrios on the mound. Mr. Barker. Biggest key tonight for Jose is what? I mean, it's always been fastball command. No, you don't agree? Yeah, I think strike one's a big deal. I think occasionally you got to flip one for strike one. He doesn't throw hard enough to be able to throw fastballs all the time. But yeah, I think that's an easy I mean, way to a, explain Jose. It's just that's what that's fastball what, That's what John Schneider and everybody kept telling us in spring training. Well, fastball commander better misses. Which one is it? Well, okay. see to me they're almost one and the same. Not really. Okay, explain because to me they're almost one. I, I I get what you're saying. You want better misses. You want. Well, fastball command would basically mean strikes. He yeah. he, all the time don't want to throw strikes. He would regret. That's why you see Danny Jansen whenever he sets up, he sets up off the plate to throw the two seamer because he would rather miss way, way off, off the plate side. than miss down the middle with it because that's good hit. The thing is, so that's you, what I'm saying. The thing is, if you're not commanding your fastball, guys are just gonna take it because they don't respect it. They don't have to, right? And then they look for something else, and you get hammered. How's that? Yeah, there we go. I'm not real sure you gave the answer to what I was asking, but. I don't know if I did either. <laughs> the back leg line is open. Hell, the back leg line is always, always. open. It's open 24-7. Show uh, for the people. We've we've hired people to just man it. Who's 24 we? hours. We, we, we've, Who's we, have we? we have people. Oh. 416-413-3959. It's open 24 hours a day. Mm. And uh, it's mainly for Kevin because Kevin doesn't. Kevin just has Instagram. Kevin doesn't have any other there's no other way to talk to Kevin unless you come up to him in the street. And he's a very friendly dude when you come up to him in the street. Don't mm. be, don't be, uh, don't be afraid of him. But uh, yeah, for now I'm on Twitter. For now, well, I mean, the rest of the world seems to be going off you at have some, a check at some mark? point. No, I, do I have a check mark? Would you used to know? The you know what happened? The company got you. The, the company got you verified with check marks. Uh, I just don't. I, I'm trying to be polite about this. Twitter could die in the next two minutes. And I wouldn't give a rat's ass. Yeah. It would have when no... It would have a good try. It, it would have no <laughs> impact on my life. Jeez. I'm just not on there that much. Oh, boy. Because other than stuff about the show, what I have to say about things really doesn't shouldn't matter to anybody. What I have to say about the economy shouldn't matter to anybody. Not yeah, an economics care. expert. Yeah. I mean, what I have to say about politics shouldn't matter to anybody. Nope. I mean, it just shouldn't. 
And I don't need to, you know, I don't need to sort of join the echo chamber. This is bad. Ooh, it's bad. I better tweet that it's bad. Because then people might think that I think it's good. Anyhow, you got me off topic. Mm. Uh, 416-413-3959. Andrew from Brampton. Andrew. He manned up and called the uh, called the line. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on second base. Um, has Whit Merrifield earned that position? And are we doing a disservice uh, to throwing him all around the field? Um, do you personally think he should be your everyday second baseman? He's always played every day his whole career until he came to Toronto and got into sort of a a cluster jammed uh, second base. Cluster jammed. Field. That's not where I thought that word was going. Um, your thoughts, and could we get anything for Espinal? Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I did not cluster jam isn't usually the word that follows. I would say no for Espinal quickly. I would say no for that. Are you, would you get anything for him straight up? Absolutely not. No. You have to package him with something else. People see this exact same thing we see. Yeah, no, but, I, 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 listen, I am with Andrew. Though. I mean, I've said it. I am with Andrew. I just, okay, why, 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 feels why, my why everyday you, second why, base. Why are you married to him having to play second base every day? I think his, the, the great thing about Wit is, is he can give you a left field one day and look like he's played left field every day of his career. He can play in right, look like he's played right every day of his career. You know what I would he rather look, have? He can play at second. Here's why. Here's why. Here. I think he's more of more value when he's moving around a little bit as long as his bat's in the lineup. Here's I don't really what I would rather. Second or not. Here's what I would rather They just have. don't like Kevin. Here's what I That's would what rather have. I would rather have Whit Merrifield as my everyday second baseman. And as long as Kevin Biggio isn't doing anything with the bat, I'd rather have Nathan Lucas up here to run down fly balls and make the odd. Like, seriously, Kevin, who'd you, who gives you a better chance at the plate right now? I mean, unless he's right facing now? Lance Lynn. Right now? Yeah, Biggio or Lucas. Is there a difference? Yeah, I, who, how would you answer that? Well, I mean, it's what I'm saying. So... If it, I don't get this whole thing about moving Wood around the field, stick him at second base, bring Nathan Lucas up for the one game every five where you're going to give one of the outfielders a rest, some, and away some, you go. Some could say you're looking for a reason to complain about a good player who can move around I'm, and look no, like no, no. he's played there for Hardly. a very long time. I'm yeah. not complaining. Like, I'm saying he's my... I'm okay with Whit playing left just I'm, because of who's playing center, who's playing right. Mm. Occasionally, you got to give him some days off. I'm saying he's you my... got to move the left fielder to center. He's my everyday second... Whit left. He's my everyday second baseman. Simple. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm, do you, I'm do you sure. think he would complain about that if you went up and said, Whit, we want you to play second no, base think, every day? No, I'd rather play left field every day. But I think he's then. okay moving around a little because it helps the team. Go to Leonard Nedmonton. You're wrong. Leonard Nedmonton. There was an awful lot of oxygen spent on defending Scherzer and blaming the umpire for his There trouble. you go, yeah. And then Jeff Passon came on and cleared everything up. Yes, he did. His comments were unemotional and rational, explaining the rules involved very yes. clearly. Mm. And he basically said Scherzer was a master of the sticky stuff, and he deserved the suspension he got. Here, here. My question to Blair and Barker is, if a master of the sticky stuff throws his way into the Hall of Fame, is he not another example of a player who should not be there? He is a cheater, just like all the juice hitters, the garbage can players, the buzzer players. A cheater is a cheater. Well, I mean, Leonard, first of all, you're talking to somebody who's voted for all the steroid guys. I had no problem putting Max Scherzer in uh, the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, I've said this time and again. Everybody in baseball cheats to some degree. Now, we can have this argument about what constitutes cheating or what doesn't. To me, if you're a cheater, you're somebody looking to gain an edge. 
the, the thing with Max Scherzer, I think David Cohn put it to rest. We saw that thing on, on the Yes Network where David Cohn gave you an example yeah. of, I mean, and, and, you know, I don't know why the hell the umpires would tell him to wash it. That David Cohn basically said, if you wash with alcohol, you're making it worse. And yeah. to do yeah. that, he showed you by holding the damn ball like that. And it was like a freaking yo-yo on, you know, on goose. So, uh, yeah, Max Scherzer, absolutely. Max Scherzer broke the rules. And, yeah, uh, if you consider someone who breaks the rules to be a cheater, then you can call him a cheater. But it's got no impact on whether or not he goes in the Hall of Fame. And, um, and, and I've got to tell you, I mean, good Lord, the, 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 the list of dudes in the hall of fame who's, who've, who cheated, um, you know, George Bell got tossed out of a game for pine tar. Technically that's cheating. I'm sorry. George Brett got tossed out of a game for pine tar. Technically that's cheating. Does that mean he's not in the hall of fame? I mean, we gotta be, we gotta be serious about this. I do blame Max Scherzer though. I, I have no, I think there's a little blame to go around everywhere. I don't think I do. I do. The rules there. Don't do it. Don't and do what? Don't, don't do what do Max Scherzer did. Don't ma- and and well, I, now I, he's the poster child for that, and nobody will probably do that again because it's him and he got busted for it. But up until that point, do had you? I, I didn't even know you're not allowed to have a rosin bag in the dugout. You want to know why? Because I didn't care. Like, what's the big deal? Like, yeah. who cares? But all of a sudden, that's a rule. And I asked. Some coaches, because I had no idea, and they said this is the first year that that's actually it. Actually, it, it it actually now, if I'm not mistaken, during COVID nineteen, you had you were sort of given a personal ra- yeah, rosin yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't want to share, um, which made sense. But yeah, it's uh, no, I, I, you know what? It's it could be. I, I had someone at the at the yard yesterday. We were talking about this. I had someone at the park tell me, you know, it could just be one of those baseball things. Like not that's the beauty of baseball. Not everything needs an immediate answer. Like, not everything needs to be boom, done, over. It's never going to happen Unless again. you get suspended for it. Unless you get – I guarantee you – You better fix it now. Well, I knew one thing. If 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 if, if I'm a pitcher and uh, numb nuts, the umpire is working my game, I'm washing my I'm, – I'm washing my hands after every – hell, I'm washing my hands after every pitch I'd be running in. Jason in Vancouver, he also uh, wants to tap into our the, – the, the, the years – and, and, and the experience that we have accrued throughout oh. our careers. Wow. Jason uh, Kevin, you're always talking about how you think this team has no cleanup hitter since that Teoscar Hernandez left, and I totally agree with you. Mm. And I was just wondering if there are any names that the Blue Jays may be looking at come uh, the July-August trade deadline of any potential cleanup hitters that you think they might try to acquire. Thanks. Yeah, that's a great question. Look, look I think it's a little early. I for think that. so. That's what I was about to say. It's it's very hard because of a lot of these teams and the balanced schedules. I mean, there's still some teams that you might be going after some certain guys that have some decent records right now. So I think that conversation is a little early to have. The question would be is right now, from what you've seen, would he be left-handed or right-handed? That's the thing you got to ask yourself. Are are you are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so the guy that you'd be going for, preferably left hand. Yeah, but they don't grow in trees. Like you know, no. Juan Soto's not coming here. I'm not saying he's a cleanup hitter, but he could hit in the two spot, and then you your boy could hit cleanup. So that that was is sort of and, something. I I'm not sure that cleanup hitters fall out of trees, and it might be easier to get an on base guy, and you could sort of maneuver see, around the top three guys that you got now. What I think you'll see this team do. 
and I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying this again. I think, I, I think this team, again, this all depends on the pitching. We'll, we'll just throw that out there. It all depends on the pitching. It all depends on mm-hmm. Hyunjin Ryu. It all depends on Chad Green. But if I, I can see the Jays adding sort of an Adam Duval type, I'm you know a guy who can help you, a guy who can play every day, or but but not a guy that you're necessarily going to have to you're you're going to have to break the bank for. And I'm just throwing out that name. I that, no idea. Probably not him. But you you get where I'm getting at. A guy who gives you an upgrade over what you have right now, but you know, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to go out there and, and, you know, blow the doors off him and, and, and get somebody who's going to cost you, you know, like $250 million. That That's sort of the guy I would be looking at. Um, it, you know, if I had to, to, to talk about the type of player that, that would, that would come in here. Um, you know, and that, and that's, I mean, but that's, I would argue that's probably the case. That would have been the case anyhow. I think this team is going to look at a bat because I think most teams looked at a bat at the deadline. And most teams, by the, the time Yankees, the deadline rolls around, know what they have or point. don't have. And the yeah. other thing is really when you look at the Blue Jays now, where they have some things that may happen internally to address their pitching. You know, Pearson, Tiedemann, Ryu, Green. What is internal that might help them offensively? I, I don't know. Addison Barger? You, you know what I'm saying? So for offensive yeah, help, stretch, I would think they, they, they'd, they'd almost have to, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they'd almost have to go you're, outside. You're looking for more of a Brian Reynolds, a, 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 a experienced guy yeah, who yeah. the bright lights has sort of been there before. I know he's in Pittsburgh, but I'm saying, I, I think for me anyway, it'd be easier to probably get an on base guy that can hit second. You could maneuver around your top three guys, at least for me anyway, again, run producers that are on really good teams. They're not giving them up. Yep. So it'd be hard to find. But Drew, it's a great question. Drew in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's a fair question. It Drew is in Winnipeg. So this is Drew from Winnipeg. And uh, since you're such a great fan of catchers, uh, my question is, what would an extension for Danny Jansen look like? Ooh. Mm. Uh, Three for 18. Six a year. Well, he's make what's he making right now? I don't think he's making sixes. You haven't looked it up. Is he making six? Must be pretty damn close to it. It'd have to be more than that. You think so? Yeah. Service um, time. You'd have to look at that. I mean, he might he might have to. But that's a good. That's a really good question. And and he's making three and a half million this six, year. That's he's, so somewhere in that six. He's mark. got one more year of arbitration. Then he's a free agent. Yeah, yeah. He won't make six next year. So you're looking sort of probably around five. And another Arb year, would you sign him three at 18? You give him three for 18? No. If you gave him three years, he'd be 31 at the end of it? I mean, you ain't, you I ain't mean, getting I would. him for his hitting. You're getting him for what he brings, you know, sort of that calming, I get you, I got you. Well, Do what I tell I, you, I mean, that I, kind I, of thing, right? I, 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 and he's gotten better flip, year after I'll year. I'll flip it around on you. There's no Gabriel Moreno anymore. So your choice is do you sign Danny Jansen to an extension or find yourself in the market looking for a catcher? At some point, do you sign a guy that everybody in the organization knows, everybody likes? They like, yeah. Uh, a, like a, a guy the pitchers like throwing to. Sure. Like, to me, you got to have that conversation I mean, also, with Danny Jensen. Also, I will admit, though, I hadn't thought of. Also, you got to remember too. That. How's Kirky going to look next year? Like behind the plate, is that is that yep. going to look the same as it's looked the last couple of years? That's another question, right? So, if you got to go out and get you another veteran guy to go with Danny, do you want to give him a deal, or would you even think of having to? 
try and give him a deal. I, and and the other thing with Danny uh, is I think Danny's good enough defensively that if something were to happen and and you'd end up with it, Kirk turns into an all-star or something like that, Danny's still not going to hurt. You can put Danny in the game late. Sure, absolutely. And, yeah, so I, I would uh, – that's a good question. I had not thought about Danny Jansen's contractual status, but – yeah, if it's me, I at least have the conversation with him. Why not? I, I do think, too, a lot of that has to be determined on how the season goes. I, I, I think, I think well, this team will look different if it doesn't go the way they want what, it to though, go. You know what, though, Kev? It can't look that much different because all those pitchers are signed through Maybe. the next three years. Maybe. Like, there's... They're hanging their hat on a lot about this year, though, right? Oh, so they, have, they have to. Yeah, they do. They have to. But it's a, that's another good I mean, question. Man, good that's question. a really good question. That was good. Got us thinking. Uh, John Morosi of the MLB Network will join us after the break. We will take a deeper dive into the Tampa Bay Rays. Bigger surprise, Rays where they are or Pirates where they are? Rays. Yeah. Pirates are in a division. Uh, I'm beginning to think I should have really gone all in on the Texas Rangers a little more than I did. They're 14-8. We'll talk to John Palmarosi. <laughs> talk to John Palmarosi about that. We got Jay's tickets to give away. Joe Kelly, relief pitcher of the Chicago White Sox and author of a damn near perfect game, reclaiming America's pastime. All ahead, it's Blair and Barker, 590, 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be joined by Joe Kelly of the Chicago White Sox, author of a damn near perfect game proclaiming America's pastime. At the uh, bottom of the hour, we've also got Jays tickets to give away. See the Jays and the Yankees play. Ooh. Good trivia question, which I nailed. I, you, you have to admit, you were impressed. I wasn't listening. Pay zero attention. Unless I have to. <laughs> I thought you would be impressed by how fast I got it. I mean, the question was barely out of the mouth of young Mark Boffo, our producer. I jumped all over. Uh, oh. Anyhow, game two of the White Sox series goes tonight, 7.07 on Sport. What are you laughing about? Well, Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Mark, you made earlier. Well, I just, well, that's true. I couldn't believe you thought that there was actually I didn't think that, but it was pretty glove. cool that that glove's actually laying there. And somebody can get it. It's not like, and the, then you see him play, and you it's know not why like the I got glove it. was beating and had oh, a pulse boy, or was kid. talking. It was just sitting there, standing there. Well, no, standing. I mean, it was How lying. How many people there. do you know can say, "Can you excuse me, so I can get my platinum glove"? <laughs> How many? Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> no, I don't know any. Well, I, I do now. What was One. amazing is there was five of us around. <laughs> nobody the damn even glove. seen the glove. And nobody saw it, and <laughs> no yet nobody one. stepped on well, it. Because I, I was picking on Joe, I think that was, was uh, yeah. That was when Siddle was wearing the khakis and <laughs> trying to explain Vorp to us. Um, I don't even know if Vorp's a thing anymore. Probably isn't. Let's bring in John Morosi, uh, MLB oh, Network boy. analyst. Vorp's not a thing anymore, is it, Morosi? I think Vorp still exists in in some statistical realm. Okay. Uh, then again, there are there are many simpler questions in life, such as does the Leafs parade oh, lo- run along Vore or Young? Young. There you go. It's a minute. Oh, very good. Thank Not you. Not even a You're minute. Welcome. Not even a minute. Listen, th- <laughs> there is a fallacy out there that Leafs fans are planning the par- uh, a parade. Uh, I have said this 
since I started this gig, I will continue to say it. There is no more fan base. No fan base in sports has had the delusion beaten out of them like the Leaf fan base. There, I, I'll tell you what, there's a better chance they're planning a parade in Winnipeg right now than there is they're planning a, a, a parade in Toronto. I, I know. And there is. And I, this is sort of Jeff and Kevin with, with a wink and a nod because here, here on the other side of the border – I, I can say that, yeah, <laughs> right? True. And, and uh, I, I know Torontonians will be much more cautious in, uh, in speaking of such things. All I will say is this, and then we can certainly get back to baseball in a moment. The game last night is the kind of game you win when it's your year. Ooh. Yes. Period. No, that's I, it. And that's, that's a that's, great that's, call. Without, without question. That is the yeah. truth. You have, basically, they were outplayed by Tampa for four, four and a half periods. And they're they're coming back with a chance to, you know, to 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 win the series, and then go on and get eviscerated by the Bruins. But that's that's beside the point. Um, that, that may not even happen. May not even happen. Uh, Morosi, uh, I mean, explain the Tampa Bay Rays to Mr. Barker and myself in in huh. you know under a minute. <laughs> I, I'll try. Uh, they they have one of the great front offices in the history of professional sports, Yep. period. Mm-hmm. At this point, that is not even a bold statement to make. That is just a fact. And, and they're doing this with uh, a couple of their more prominent pitchers at the moment in, in Glasnow and more recently Springs on the injured list, and they just keep winning. Um, you look up and down their lineup and, and the ways in which they've acquired some of their talent. It, yes, there's... There was initially the you look at the bigger trades they made, like with Chris Archer, and and that one still gets a lot of uh, attention. But honestly, that trade, in terms of what it looks like right now, isn't even really impacting their everyday team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the other more subtle moves, the way they brought in Yandy Diaz, the, the the way that they have stayed and remained patient with Brandon Lau. Wander Franco was back, and I think that to me. When you look at last year and compare last year to this year, the, the pitching is almost always there, and it's a constant. They've got a great pitching coach in Kyle Snyder. They, they evaluate pitching exceptionally well. What they've got now is they, they have a superstar player in Franco who's playing more like a superstar again. And, and you think about how, how well they played last season despite not having Franco really, Franco really staying healthy or, or being an impactful player. They basically kept a lot of the same position players. It's not even that much of a dramatic change in their everyday lineup from last year to this year. It's just that they're healthier, they're playing better. And, and when, you have, when you are a smaller market team with a lower payroll, you can't really give big money or commit a long-term contract to someone and then have the luxury of them not performing. The Yankees can, can find ways to, to work around Stanton being on the injured list or Carlos Rodon not even having thrown a pitch yet for the Yankees. They can do that. The Rays can't. And so last year they didn't really hit their full potential with Franco sort of middling and not being himself. Now that he is, it's a different team. And you go along with what's already a very strong bullpen. The rotation obviously is incredibly deep. So, uh, and, and McClanahan. McClanahan, of course, last year towards the end had some health uh, concerns, and he's, he's been really great this year again. So they, they're just a, a model organization in a division that I'm just so interested to see how it plays out with, with the schedule now 
no longer being imbalanced to get all those games in your division, do we certainly have three playoff teams in the East? I would expect yes. And and I just think that we're seeing one of the best versions ever of, of the AL East, and we're going to see the records be that much stronger because they're playing outside the division more often. Are the Orioles for real in your mind? Yeah. They are. They're, because, Kevin, it's, it's an important question, and, and look at their winning streak right now. If, if you have a chance, I'm sure you guys have already done this, check out the, the video from last night of Yanir Cano, who was their closer with Felix Bautista um, having a lot of uh, workload early in the season. Yanir Cano, I was having some Lee Smith flashbacks watching mm. that pitch last night. It was unreal um, just how imposing he is on the mound, the quality of the stuff. He protects a, a one-run lead against the Red Sox. And they're a team that, look at the youth of their club. They, they've been able to, and I think this is really important organizationally, and you credit Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde too, they've brought along their young position players, and they've arrived around the same time but staggered enough such that each of them has found his own identity as the group has come together, it reminds me a little bit of the way the Cubs worked leading up to their World Series championship when here was Rizzo, here was Bryant, here was Baez, Almora, that that group. Russell was obviously part of that too. And this has that same feel to me. You've you've got a, a potential... Hall of Famer if things go the way that he started out his career in Rutschman behind the plate. Mountcastle's been really good. Uh, I, I just like the way this team is balanced. Mateo's a really good player, I think underrated in, mm-hmm. in the game right now. Um, and the pitching, I think, has been legit. So I'm, I'm a believer in the Orioles. I just think this division, if you're a fan of good baseball, mm-hmm. and if you're a fan of one of these five teams, just – Enjoy. Enjoy the high level of competition because um, we're seeing, I think, a division at its best at a time when just the quality of baseball around the sport is really high and really entertaining. This, it's, it's like we're getting the level of play we used to get and that, that Kevin saw firsthand playing in it, and Jeff, you covered it, uh, from maybe 15 years ago mm-hmm. and a little bit longer even with, without the four-hour games. It's like an express version of just really good mm-hmm. entertainment, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, I guess one of the, the things that, that I wonder about, especially with the Rays, is you know, we, we know that last year um, – and again, this doesn't necessarily hold true all the time, but we know that last year, teams that got good length out of their starting pitchers, generally those were the teams that went to the postseason. Those were the teams that had postseason success. And I'm looking at the Rays. They've already gone into the bullpen, 93 and two-thirds innings out of their bullpen already. Wow. Uh, Baltimore's got 84. I mean, Toronto, surprisingly enough, at 73 is the fewest relief innings pitched so far but would that be a concern for you understanding that Tampa is going to get Tyler Glasnow back understanding that now they have Zach Eflin back uh and and because they're Tampa hell Taj, Taj Bradley could end up being rookie of the year or whatever for all we know sure but would that be a concern for you or because they're the Rays do you just kind of shrug and go well that's a Rays thing you know the Rays are going to raise and if if, if they need to, to get the most innings out of relievers of any team in baseball, it doesn't matter because they're the reasons it's going to work somehow. I, I'm, I'm more the latter, Jeff. And, and the reason why, and this, this to me is 
one of the most important points to mention whenever we talk about the Rays, and, and to some extent the Orioles right now, is the flexibility of their roster. Yeah. That it's not the 26, it's the 40. And when you have a, a high level of, uh, of workload for your relievers, there are two ways to address it. Number one is to get more innings out of your starters, which I think sometimes April can be a bit deceiving. Starters sometimes aren't always stretched out all the way to go seven, eight innings from the very first week of the season, for example. So I think eventually you would expect your starters to give you a bit more, and to your point, Glass now coming back in will be a huge lift. But one of the most important things you can have as an organization is optionability, the ability to send relievers down to the minor leagues with that part of your roster, where when you've got, and it's not always fair to the player, but if you've got a, a reliever who's, who's pitching well but pitching a lot, sometimes you can option that guy down for, for a few days, for 10 days, whatever it ends up being, a couple weeks, and then you call up the fresh arm from AAA and you cycle them back. Mm-hmm. And you have that luxury when your team is generally young, and generally not on long-term contracts that prevent you sending these guys down to the minor leagues. And one of the most important words in the history of the Rays organization is no, because they say no to to the big, expensive relief pitcher contracts. They can't afford those guys. They have to be smart when they're making the minimum or close to it, zero to three. And so as a result, you've got a really flexible malleable group of relievers who generally speaking are effective but when when they start to fatigue you're not stuck with with a guy that you have to go to all the time because you've got somebody who's maybe 80 or 90 percent as good in triple a and then they come up or you or if the guy is that little inflammation going on he goes on the il for a period of time and then you call up somebody else and they're fine that the ability to manage the workload is so much easier when you have a young, optionable group. And the Rays have done a really good job of this, and the Orioles have too. Look, look at those two bullpens. How many expensive relievers between the, the Baltimore and, and Rays bullpens do you see, and how many of them can't be sent to the minor leagues? That number is extremely small. And so when you've got flexible and up-and-down guys – it allows you to ride through the high level of workload that, that inevitably that you have early in the season. JP, I put you on the spot a little bit. We talk about middle-of-the-order bats. We've seen it with the Yankees, right? The sort of injuries, the back end of their lineup's not great. The Blue Jays, middle-of-their right. middle their order, right? we got some guys that are finding their way, right? They're being sort of forced into that middle-of-the-order of the lineup on really good teams. Is there any names? Oh, this is early in the season, but – Sort of with what we've seen from those two teams, is there any names that, you know, coming sooner than later that you could see maybe being traded that is a middle-of-the-order bet? Hmm. So what I would say is the team to watch, Kevin, in terms of the trade deadline, and, and to your point, usually it, it takes till sometime in May sure. before things really pick up that Absolutely. way. But, but one team to watch that I think is going to be one of the more intriguing teams to watch in baseball this year at the deadline is St. Louis because checking out St. Louis's position player group, they have got a ton of position player depth and, and you're probably back and forth. Tyler O'Neill and Ole Marmol would, was he running the bases the way he should have? Mm. 
He gets benched for a while. They've got Gorman. They've got Carlson. They've got Donovan. They've got Burleson. They've got O'Neal. <clears throat> they have got a ton of, of bats, and they need some pitching. So this is a team in general that I'll say St. Louis could, could not necessarily buy or sell, but both. They could, they could do something that doesn't happen that often in baseball, which is trade a major leaguer for a major leaguer. And, and when you look at their rotation, they've got Wainwright, who's, of course, in his final year. Um, Flaherty needs to be an ace for this team to be good. Hudson continues to be inconsistent. He's been in the minor leagues a bit to start the year. That's a team that needs pitching, and they've got position players. So if, if you're able to have the inverse of that, if you're a team that, that has some pitching to move but that needs a bat, I think that I think that's a team to watch very carefully, and I think you make a very good point, Kevin, about about where the Yankees are. Yeah. They are not. This is surprisingly, they are just not as good offensively as the Rays are. In fact, the Yankees right now rank in the bottom ten of the sport in runs scored. They they have scored fewer runs than teams like the Reds, the White Sox, the Giants, the Cardinals. Wow. They, they are a below average offense right now. And, and the team that leads the entire sport and runs scored, unsurprisingly, the Rays. <laughs> Although the rain has been great. We, we talk about them a bit, too. But I want to highlight, before I move on from the American League contenders, one team that I think deserves a little bit of a light shown on them in, the, in, a, in a good way early on this season. We haven't talked about them a bunch in the last, I don't know, decade is Texas. Texas has the second most runs scored in the major leagues right now. Garcia is the reigning player of the week. Oh, look at Marcus Semien getting much more comfortable there now in, in year two. Uh, they've got Young playing third base, a, re- a really good, promising young player. That is a team that when you combine their ability to hit with that totally reformulated rotation, Bruce Bochy in the dugout, if I'm a fan of, a, of an American League team, like Jays fans are, of course, Texas is a team that's on my radar. And I think they're going to be – they've got a chance to be back in the playoffs this year because Houston is just not, not the same group right now. They, they've gotten a little bit older. They're a little bit less consistent. Um, Seattle has gotten off to an okay start. Kelnick's playing great. But I, I, I think Texas, they have the look of a playoff team to me right now. You know, we're seeing a team in front of us right now that I really wonder about at the trade deadline, the Chicago White Sox, because they've got mm. they've got hitters that could help just about any team. Um, I think, you know, they've got enough pitching that they've got enough pitching that they could probably put a run together next year. I mean, if things go if, if things go south, they've got enough enough pit, pitching that they can do that. And John, to me, they're a little bit like the the Cardinals in that. Look, I'm not necessarily a huge believer in chemistry, but something ain't working. Something is not working with the White Sox. Whether and it and it isn't can't blame Tony Larusa anymore. He's not around. Uh, something's not working there. And I look at that team and I you know go down their lineup. They got some guys that that could absolutely contribute to to a championship team. You're right, and I I think Jeff that of all the teams that are out there right now, and it's it's painful for the White Sox to have to say this because th- this is one of those cases where their window opened and it might have closed quickly mm-hmm. and that might have all happened two years ago when they lost to Houston in the playoffs yep. and that might have been it yep. for this group. 
And, and it's, it's a really painful thing to say. They went all in. Obviously, they hired La Russa. Uh, they felt as though Renteria wasn't the guy. Well, now it's, they've had three managers in a span of four years, and they're not really any closer to being the team that they're supposed to be. And, and that is a concern. I, I think, to your point, the chemistry is not really working. They lost one of their franchise pillars in Jose Abreu. You're right, their pitching is pretty good, but they may actually that may actually be the part of their team that they would have the most success in moving. Mm. And again, this is the same for whatever it's worth, I'll make this point. This is the same owner and club president and GM who was at the controls when they traded Chris Sale. That's right. And they traded Adam Eaton. And that at least allowed them to build up a bit and, and get to a more competitive place. I guess what I would say, Jeff and Kevin, with all due respect to my, my home region here in, in the Midwest, if, if you are not able to compete right now in the American League Central, that is a pretty stinging indictment of where you're at as a team. Yep. Yeah. This is a division that, that if you are a good team, you are in the mix. There, there is no, no excuse about strength of schedule even the Guardians are having a fairly mediocre start to the year. Um, if you aren't able to compete in what is probably the weakest division in the sport right now, then I'm not sure what, what I can say to boost your spirits. And that's where the White Sox are right now. Um, you're right. You change the manager, change the culture, you, you let Jose Abreu leave, which sends a message to your group that, hey, uh, Moncada, Anderson, Jimenez, Grandal, this is now your team, and and there just has not been a response. And I'm with you. I I think we're seeing this team tracking towards being a seller and maybe even a dramatic one at the deadline this year. JP, last one before we let you go, and I just love saying this out loud. Did you know 23 games into the season, the Pittsburgh Pirates are in first place? Unreal. That is unbelievable. Uh, But But my question to you is, we saw last year the Orioles sort of found a blueprint on how to win. Now, I'm not by any means saying that the Pirates are going to surprise everybody and, and win the Central. But do you think they're starting to find maybe a blueprint on how they can take their organization to maybe a different level? I do. And, and let's remember, first of all, as, as a quick way of uh, you know making a link and congratulating, that's Ben Sherrington, Steve Sanders, a couple guys that were with the Jays for a number of years. Derek Shelton was here as a coach. The organization. Yep. Yeah, exactly. it's a great, great call. Exactly. So that they've really done a good job of, I think, establishing a really strong culture. They've done it largely with homegrown players. There was the trade request made by Brian Reynolds. They kept him. Probably a good thing they did. Uh, Jack Sawinski playing center field, he's really been productive too. And I think where, where I give a ton of credit to Derek Shelton is, is you look at the, the loss of O'Neill Cruz, who's probably their best all-around, their most dynamic talent. And Rodolfo Castro steps in there. He has been great playing shortstop. So, and, of course, the, the other guy that we can't forget is Andrew McCutcheon coming back 10 years later mm-hmm. after he was the MVP 10 years ago when they finally made it back to the postseason. Uh, he is back making a huge impact. Mitch Keller's been good. Yohan Oviedo's been good in the rotation. Guys, I, I'm a believer, especially when you, we just talked about the Cardinals and their shortcomings the Pirates might actually have a path to the playoffs here in 2023. John, really good of you to join us, man. Thanks so much. Great stuff. 
You bet. I, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, I look forward to my first visit to Toronto at some point. I promise you it's going to be uh, in, hopefully in the first half of the year, but who knows if the Leafs are in the finals, maybe even before then. You never know. I will, uh, I will save you a lawn chair along the parade route. That's How about awesome. that? With, a, with an umbrella. Wait, uh, we'll have an umbrella over Young. Yes, Looking absolutely. You're the best. Thank Take you. Take care. It's John Morosi uh, of the MLB Network. That That's a, a great... Great call by him. You know, we, we, we've kind of followed the St. Louis Cardinals from a distance just because of the Tyler O'Neill interest. And I, and I was thinking about this last night. You know, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the White Sox lineup. Now, they're not a very good team right now. But they've got Robert, Benintendi, Vaughn, uh, Berger, kind of a guy. Uh, Moncada is a guy like they do have some bats. Yeah, you, that, well, you, well, you'd that be, would interest you'd be, you. You'd be looking for an on-base guy. Ben and Tanny, he just signed a deal. That's probably not yeah, going to work gonna out. Happen. That's probably not going to work out. So, but you'd be he'd be the perfect sort of guy, right? And of course, they've got Tim Anderson coming back as well. Yeah, but. so you 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 know you're probably not punting just yet if you're the White Sox. But look, I, I think if the Cardinals are are a great team now with the Cardinals punts because you'd sort of be doing that. You're you know what, up Kevin? A bat I don't for, think. And if you're the, and if, uh, the but what the better question would be it, because they need pitching. If you're the Blue Jays, who would you give up? Yeah. You ain't giving up guy out of the rotation because you don't really have anybody at the minor league level that's, that you can bring up to that, fill in the blanks. That's why I to help you make a run. So that's what made how me do think. You fix it. That's what made me think that if you're looking at a at a at a, at a trade deadline acquisition, because I, I don't want to trade Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, You know, yeah, I've got a Relvis Martinez. I got some other guys, but that's why I think if you're the Blue Jays, you, you're almost you're, you're looking at doing a. Again, I threw Adam Duvall's name out there. just, to, But you know what I mean? A guy who's been around and a guy who can make you better. He's not necessarily going to transform your entire lineup. Yeah, I think right? he's not going to have be, that, though. It, I, don't you? Like, you're, well, look, you're looking for a guy that may either get on base all the time, that can hit the I other pitcher's best pitch, no, you know or what? you're looking for a run producer. I would, that's what I was going to say. I'm looking for a guy... I'm looking for a guy that can be a better run producer than the guys I have. Yeah, those are hard to find. That's the point, right? So you may be married to what you already have, and you can win a bunch of games, Jeff, with really good pitching. Really uh, good pitching. Yeah, well, and, and the again, the Jays' rotation. The Jays have got the fewest relief. If I had told I you mean, that the Jays would have the fewest relief innings, based on what we saw from, based on what we saw from Barrios in spring training, uh, based on what we saw from Manoa in spring training and early in the year, if I'd said to you that by the end of the month, the Jays would have fewer innings out of their relievers than any team in baseball, you would have said you're an idiot. I would have. And you'll say it anyhow when we're off the air at some point. Yep. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. At least you're consistent. Whether you listen on the radio <laughs> or on our getting. podcast, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. Now, yesterday's question and answer was these two former Blue Jays threw perfect games as Yankees. In 98 and 99. Shame on you if you did not know David Wells and David Cohn. That's an easy one. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Yankees at the Rogers Center on May 16th. It's a good one. Well, it's not really. After back-to-back Cy Young winning seasons, the Blue Jays traded Roger Clemens to the Yankees in 1999. Who was the infielder Toronto acquired in the deal? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. Mm. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Again, after back-to-back Cy Young winning seasons, the Blue Jays traded Roger Clemens to the Yankees in 1999. Who was the infielder Toronto acquired in the deal? Text the answer to 590-590.
your chance to did win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590, et cetera, et cetera. Did that person like you? Uh, uh, I don't know if... I think so. I've talked to him a couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to him. I talked to him. A, yeah, mm. I think he did. Mm. I'm sure he did. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's a great point. <laughs> I mean, the list of players who really disliked me is limited. It's probably limited to about 2025, 20, guys I've covered. Wow. Uh. Listen, it was not a good year. Now, the, the, I don't know if things are different now. But back in the day, it was not a good year. As a reporter, unless you didn't have one pitcher or one one player that by the end of the year was so pissed off at you, they wouldn't talk to you. Yeah. That meant you weren't you, doing your job. You've gotten soft. I have gotten soft. Yeah, yeah. But you I'm hang, not, you hang a, out with me too much at the field. more optimistic. And, more optimistic, and, Jeff. Yeah, player. yeah. I'm, you know? I'm around the players I like a my bit. job. I like everything. You know, everything's good. Everything's sunny. Wow. I will really like my job if Joe Kelly joins <laughs> Mark, not that I'm doubting you. <laughs> not that I'm doubting oh, you. Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's promoting his Yeah, book. we are. We're going to break right now so we can call. And Joe Kelly joins us next. Seriously. I, I can feel it. It's going to happen. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I mean, I might as well just let you start talking because I know where this is yeah, going. Yeah, it's unbelievable that you actually said it. Joe heard you say it. Told Mark. So I'm not no, going to come on I'm with that. Good. I'm good. I'm not coming on with that guy. That ass thinks I'm not yeah, going to come on. Absolutely. That's amazing. There you go. Leave it to you. Leave it to you. I was the guy running up and down the press box yelling, Spencer Strider's got a no hitter. Everybody know that? Yeah, anyhow. Uh, uh, some kind of leader you are. Well, oh, he heard you. He didn't. He did. He uh, Actually, when we made this, we didn't realize that Joe Kelly was going to be activated off the IL, which he was yesterday. Uh, so uh, he has rescheduled and uh, will attempt to join us tomorrow. <laughs> because of Just Jeff fine Blair. Before Gabe. No, because yeah, yeah, he got stuff going. No, no. Again. That's not what he said. He said, I heard Jeff say what he said. That's not And true. I don't like that. He knows. He, he's 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 buddies with Rob Bradford. And then he, so looked he, up your, then he looked up your name real quick, and he's like, yeah, I yelled at that guy once. No, he didn't yell at <laughs> No, he's, he's, he's one of those 25. No. He's not one of those 25. Uh, so let's, why don't we just tell jokes for the last half hour? I don't hour. have any jokes. I'm not much of a joke teller. You know what we could do? Open it up. Uh, should we go to the back leg line? Let's do it. 416-413-3959. What do you think? I, that's it's worth a, a gamble. Idea. It's a great idea. Worth a gamble? great idea i don't know i mean there's so there's so many there's so many ways this could go go right off the rails i think it'll be good i think it'll be good too. we got great listeners we got great listeners. we do what i'm and saying is 416-413-3959 colin you screwed it up i'm going to the bullpen i'm going to the bullpen that was awful. Bullpen. That's well, the worst not. thing you've done in eight years. It's I not. Don't believe years? me. Trust me. It's not the no, worst thing I've done in eight years. Me. No. It was. No, no, no. The one time I said that word on air and got us the CRTC thing, no, that was the worst. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever done. <clears throat> That's the worst thing i ever done. 
Mark, Mark, look at Boffo. We got a back. Boffo is, you know what? I, I got to give a shout out to Mark. Serious, all, all kidding aside, all kidding aside, because it is, it's kind of an odd, it's kind of an odd time slot because a lot of guys who are playing, I mean, baseball sure. players, it's not like they're getting up at eight o'clock and going for Absolutely a 15 not. mile run. That still would be sleeping. Mean. They're still sleeping. Joe just got up. So, uh, and the first voice he heard was yours. I'm going to turn on the radio. <laughs> well, let's see if Joe Kelly what? joins us. What did he say? <laughs> A no name. Uh, now well, you're testing my patience is. now. No name caller, which in radio biz sometimes well, means the producer made up his own question. But uh... anyhow, go. No name caller from where? Hamilton. From no fixed address? Jeez. Yeah. This could be anybody. This could be Barker's dad. No, it couldn't be. Could he's not, be. He's not allowed. All right. No name caller from no fixed address. Two questions. Uh, first question. Between the traits of desire, talent, and personality, who would you think the Blue Jay number one player is in all of those three categories? And number two, what is the difference between a playoff team and a championship team? Is there a big stretch there, or is this just a small divide? Thank you. Have a nice day. All right. Now, back when I used to do other shows, we would have this thing where if nobody was calling in, the producer would call a buddy and say, God, there's nobody here, man. What do you if say? You desire? If you want to get Talent? on, if you want to look at Lance's laughing because he knows this happened for sure. What's the third uh, there's one? nobody there's nobody calling up. If you want to get on, we'll just we'll just call you Mark and Aurelia. Mark and Aurelia, you're on with Jeff. Desire, anyway. talent, what else? Desire, talent, and personality. Oh, well, the third one I could care less about. So <laughs> in other words, Barker's scared to annoy somebody. So uh, personality? Desire personality talent. Personality matters in a as a, in a baseball player? Well, this is the caller asked the question. Jesus, don't look at me. Ask the does, question. Does desire and talent, those are two good ones. Who is the best player? That Okay, we'll go with all three of those. Who has the most personality on the team that play every day? Could be a pitcher. Name it. Most personality. Let's go through these three. I mean, words. I'm thinking, okay, Romano. I mean, that's a good one. He's got his own song. Uh, Light show. Bo. Uh, on-field cool personality. No, on-field personality. Vladdy. I mean, he's got a great smile. I mean, this is really hard. This is a tough one because we're eliminating some Springer. people. That we should. I mean, be. there are a lot of Kevin yeah. Kiermaier. Okay, I'd say the personality guy would be when center doubt. fielder. Yeah, this, I'm going to go there. Okay. Talent. Look, they're 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 a playoff team. They, there's you could name a lot of guys on that. So I'm not going to name a certain player. Desire, look, I have no idea. Like, like that, that would, to be able to answer that, I'd have to go to dinner with these people. I'd have to spend nights with them. I'd have to drive in traffic with them. Like, I'd have to go soft toss with them in cages. Like, the desire thing. Desire is not always, it's it's not always measured by the dirtiest uniform. It's not. And it's not always measured by what we... We we you, consider you, to be you, hustle. I, I you would almost this way. think that they're they're established, really good big leaguers. Yeah, you could throw you could lump them all in that. Yeah, and you know what? Like, and they're doing really I well. Mean, I, I'm sure Kevin Biggio is not short on desire. He's just not hitting Absolutely. right now. I know for so, a fact he's not. I've been told that. Yeah. So I I mean I don't. He's the last one there a lot. I can tell you what I think fans think can, about those three. 
Uh, talent would be Vladdy or Bo. Personality. Kevin. Kiermaier. Kiermaier or Bo or Vladdy. But, I mean, fans, fans are they're people that have Santiago Espinal jerseys. And, and what I mean by that, by that is that's what makes you a fan. There's something about a, a dude. No that, question. Or doesn't have to be a dude. Your favorite the, the female athlete. There's something about that person you like. And it can be the way they play. It can yeah. be the fact that they signed a ball for no, you and were really absolutely. nice for you. Yeah. So that's 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 hard to say. It is. That's, that's a hard tough to question. say. It's a good question, but it's a hard one to answer because I think you can lump a bunch of names and desire. And all of that. I, I. It's a that's a real tough one to answer because they are all big leaguers. They've had a lot of success. And I if just you don't, don't have desire, you're probably not going to have that. You're not going to be in the big leagues a long time. So I think a lot. Yeah, of I just those don't, I don't know how to. I don't know how to measure. I, had, I don't either. You have to spend every single day. A difference between a playoff team yeah. and a championship team. Yeah. I think I think it's I think it's the amount of talent you have in key spots. That for me is the difference. Like we're talking about a run producer for the Blue Jays. We're talking about the back end of the bullpen needing a legit no-brainer eighth inning guy. They got those two. Now we're talking I about can, a championship team. I think it, I think because it, of the rotation. No, I think it's really simple. I think it's got nothing to do with position players. I think the difference between a playoff team and a championship team always comes down to pitching. Always, always, always. I, okay, that's a I captain, obviously. Yeah, but always comes down. Yeah. Always comes down to pitching. But somebody's got to get the big hit. So some somebody's got to throw the big inning. Is my point right? Somebody. It, it can't always be John Snyder and Pete Walker. Thinking three innings ahead for a pocket, not think, the playoffs when you're facing elite teams. That's my point. I'm with you. You, but the Astros won last year because they're pitching, pitching because, and they had a surprise at because, shortstop. Well, who got the big hit? Pitching because so often the player that rises to the occasion in the championship is not always the best player in your team. It's not. So that's why I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 we've seen teams win World Series with lineups that were, yeah, they were okay, but the pitching was really good. Sure. I, I, I think it's all, I think it comes down to pitching. I mean, if you're asking me the difference, rotation right now could win a championship for the Blue Jays. Rotation today, if it ended today, started tomorrow, could they win a championship? So far, that so yes or no, maybe. Well, you figured be the first three guys. No, maybe the three guys I, I wouldn't have said. I wouldn't tell you the fourth guy. No, I wouldn't have said that at the start of the year. Maybe because they're 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 logging innings, man. And I I told you that's what I look at. They're logging innings. Mm. They're logging innings, and they have not all been great from the get go. Bullpen today matching up against a really good team. Championship no. bullpen. No, that's where we're at. Chris and uh, Belleville. I'm just wondering if you think that Jordan Romano is a good enough closer to take the Jays to the World Series. I have some questions about the fact that he doesn't throw his fastball enough and tinkers too much with other pitches. And I'm just wondering if you feel like he is the man to take them to the World Series. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know about tinkering with other pitches. I mean, he basically just throws 70% sliders and 30% four-seamers. Uh, talk a little bit. Let me look his numbers up. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I'm more comfortable with him now than I was. How come last year? Because I've seen him more. I, I've seen him more. Uh, Here's the question you got to ask yourself: In 
what was yesterday? 24th of Can I just, April. Uh, let, uh, sir, let me just re- rewind for a minute. I guess I'm comfortable with him because I've got other things I have to worry about. I've got other things that I think can be addressed. I don't think you can go out and add a reliever, a closer, who's going to be better than Jordan Rihanna. I don't think so either. I don't think he's out there. I'm with you. So if you're going to add that guy that, that solidifies the eighth inning, sure. then you make Jordan Romano better. So, yeah, he. I, first of all, you have no choice. Yeah, I'm not sure the eighth you have inning. have no choice. I'm not sure the eighth inning has anything to do with Jordan. I think Jordan, April 24th against the White Sox, can throw that slider as many times as he wants, and he's going to dominate that team. But once you get playoff time and you're facing the Astros, me to the order, can he throw it when a their best hitter is looking for it and has eliminated the heater? Now what is it? That That's the thing you got to ask yourself if you're confident enough in that. That's why I said you need a no-brainer. If you have a couple of hybrid guys like they do have who you feel comfortable matching up with, sixth inning, seventh inning, Got a legit eighth, eighth inning guy. And Jordan Romano, because he throws hard enough, he's got enough deception in his windup to get good hitters out. Maybe can tweak some things and adjust a little bit how much he throws a certain pitch to really good hitters and be a little bit more unpredictable. His stuff is elite. It's just how much he uses it. Can that? Can he get away facing the best of the best? That's the only question I have. He's a really good closer. Really good. Yeah, I mean, we... Everything we've seen from him, I think analytically and everything else suggests that he can. I, 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 don't, have a, I don't have a concern. I don't have a concern with that. I, I just don't. But I, I also admit that part of the reason is there are other things that occupy my 70, thinking 30 a lot more. 70-30 is a big difference, though. Yeah. That's a it lot. It can also change, though. It doesn't I'm mean with that, you. It doesn't he, mean he, that it's going to be 70-30 in another, in another, in another he, month. I absolutely. So, so he's adjusting to the team he faces. He's big on that, right? If I have to throw 14 out of 15 yep. or sliders, I'll do it because of who I'm facing. One thing I will say about Jordan that I like is, and maybe this, I mean, there's several things I like about him. Maybe this comes down to the fact that he, does, he doesn't throw a lot of pitches. I, I I do like Jordan's conviction with the pitch. That's a great point. I do like his conviction. We sit up I in the we sit up it. in the press box. You go, oh, oh, we got twelve cross. sliders in a row. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, Jordan Romano doesn't give a rat's ass what he you're thinking up less. in the pre. He could not Absolutely. care less because here comes a slider. Here comes another one. And he threw a three-two slider to the number nine hitter to the nine hole hitter. Yeah, yesterday. But and part of the thing that makes a good reliever is conviction. Like this is this is what I got. This is my assortment of weapons. I can get you out. I mean, I'm okay with that. Stacy in Toronto. Uh, gentlemen, um, could you explain why, I believe last night in the Blues Jays game, uh, they had Springer pinch hit for Biggio um, with a couple of men on late. And earlier in the game, Biggio hit a home run. I just don't understand the rationale for doing that. Could you explain that to me, please? Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, it's when you're trying to find pockets, right? You're trying to find the right guy for George to come off the bench and face. It was a lefty that throws 95, 96, 97. Kevin is not very good at facing lefties that throw that hard. I think your chances are better of a bases loaded knock with one of the best leadoff yeah. hitters in the history of baseball. Hitting in that situation, that's what it's. Kevin Biggio hit a home run. That's a good question. Kevin Biggio hit a home run off the only guy who was going to hit a home run off there in you that go. staff. It's a really I mean, that, good question, but that's why everything. they're doing that. And we John got, is looking for a reason to put George in the game yeah. in a big situation for him to get a game eliminating, basically, hit. And that was it against a really tough left-handed pitcher. Yeah. 
Um, and we, do, I mean, we do get that question all the time. The idea, well, why would you take a guy out because he's got it? He's he's at home run earlier in the game. Again, a lot of it is it comes down to the matchup. It does come down to analytics, bat path, swing path, all that. Uh, and I'm only being half facetious when I said that one of the few hitters and that one of the few pitchers in that team that Kevin could hit a home run off of was Lance Lynn because that's the manager said. One of the reasons he's in the lineup is because basically <laughs> there is a point of contact. If, if Kevin is on his game, there is a point of swing. contact He's, where his swing meets the pitch. There you go. And that's it. And the it ain't going to be the case with the other matches dude. the bat path that Kevin will give you, which is, which is, it's got to line up perfect. Give them credit. They said they were going to do it. And that's why they put it in, in the game. And guess what happened? Worked. Harry in Winnipeg, home of the Jets. The nice. Jets letting me down. Uh, my question is your thoughts on the J on the Jays and their chemistry with all these new players that they've uh, picked up. It doesn't seem to me that they're uh, can get on a roll. I just think that uh, something's missing in this club. And I think the chemistry, uh, maybe these fellows, they picked up the chemistry is not quite right. Your thoughts. And I'll leave that with you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm going to preface this by saying I did. Chemistry something, chemistry something sports reporters and sports writers talk about a lot of times and they can't explain why stuff isn't going well. You nailed it. I mean, chemistry I, that, for that me, is. every team that I've been on is all about winning. If you're yep. winning, you got great chemistry. If, if everybody's gone, winning, making money, chemistry is you know, awesome. we, we, we talk about pockets all the time. 26 dudes ain't going to like 26 dudes. It just doesn't happen no. that way. You got your buddies you're going to hang out with. That chemistry thing is. That's a, I can't say it enough. I know they're they are tooting it to everybody and trying to get you to buy big, it. You know that, what it is? That he's a good hitter, but he's a great human. I okay. I I guess at this level, that's what you that's what you're banking on all the time. I can relate to this. I've been in enough clubhouses that that's not always the case, right? It's you. you yeah. I, it seems to me like the players that they brought in are good dudes. Does everybody like everybody? Absolutely not. Like that's just that's not the way it is. Is my pitcher better than your pitcher? Is he going to give me a better chance of me winning than you winning? If that's the case, you're going to win most of those games. Is my hitters better than your hitters? Do One I the- defend better? Do I make the dumb mistake less than you make it? That for me is winning, and that in turn, I guess, if you want to use that word, which I don't, because I think it's like you just said. It's very easy way for people. That's a word that people use. It's a, it's that also really don't know how to break down certain things. It's also a hockey thing. Chemistry is big. I mean, you, hear, you hear it all the time in hockey. It the is a good. It important. is a good question, but there's at least for me, at least in baseball, I've never been in a hockey you know locker room. I have no idea. I can only relate to baseball. My chemistry related when it comes to that in baseball. Like if I can't hit a breaking ball because I'm buddies with somebody else has nothing to do with whether I'm going to hit the breaking ball or not. Really don't. If you're slow and you can't, if, you, does if, not. if you're slow and can't take the extra base and cost the dude an RBI, uh, it, you, it has nothing to do. You, you might be able to buy him a steak dinner, but he ain't still going to like it. There it is. Uh, I always kind of use, I mean, they are different players I covered in my career that I used to shake my head every but oh they're great guys. He's a great guy. He's a guy. I'd go, no, he's an ass. He's a jerk. He may be one of the most arrogant, condescending knobs yeah. I've ever how met many in my people, life. How many people but, when I just talked about Kevin Biggio and I said how good of a dude he is, and that's why I root for him, rolled their eyes. You all know why? Performance driven. Yeah. And here's here's the thing, a, a story about chemistry, though, because Roy Halliday, obviously beloved player. When Roy Halliday left the Blue Jays. Sean Markham, I don't know if you remember this. Sean Markham, 
did an interview in spring training where he said, Roy, great pitcher, uh, you know, big dude. We missed the guy. Obviously, our team's better, would be better with him than without him. But you know what? Guys were always walking on eggshells when Roy was here. And, oh, my, I mean, but you know what? It was 100% true. Didn't make Roy, the late Roy Halliday, a bad person. Far from it. But you know what? He scared the living crap out of his teammates. Sure. And that also doesn't mean that he was bad for clubhouse chemistry. That's what I'm getting at. No. That's what I'm getting at. It, it's it, the whole chemistry thing. He's a great pitcher. Is, is not dependent on everybody liking everybody else. It, it really isn't. There's a different, I will say this, and I'm not going to, you know, spend a great deal of time. Uh, oh, John Heyman just reporting that the Pittsburgh Pirates have signed an extension with Brian Reynolds. Just noticed it on MLB Network. We'll uh, Makes sense. see if we can They're grab that. Too. See if we They're can grab that place. online. Uh, because I don't have uh, the first place Twitter Pirates. open right now. But that, that was my whole point is that be very careful. Anytime somebody talks to you about a team's chemistry, be very careful because that person generally isn't in the clubhouse. That person hasn't been in there when somebody's pitched a fit. Right? Which happens a lot. And, it it, it, it does. And, and, and a lot of times... Chemistry is just that word. It's like momentum. I don't know what. I don't know why this is happening. We got momentum. Oh, the pitcher's really yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Brian Reynolds, according to John Heyman, eight-year deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow, wow that's a lot for 163 million. Wow. 106.75 million. Oh, that's a little bit. So there you go. Eight years. That's all right. 106.75 million. So if you are the Pittsburgh Pirates, think about this. This guy basically told the Pirates he wanted to Begging be traded. For it. Begging to be traded. He could have been a Yankee. This guy basically. Or a Jay. This guy basically begged to be traded, and now he's just inking an eight-year deal. Good for them. And I'm sure there's it's probably. Time. I'm sure there's probably opt-outs. For but, an ownership that. Has been yelled and screamed at for not go. spending that, any money. Well, there you go. And that would appear to be a hitter off the market. How about that? You think that they're looking at the, the they're looking market? at the standings going where in first place? And they're looking the Cardinals stink. The Cubs. Well, you say standings. The Cubs better. are the Cubs are kind of matters to them. Yeah. I think it's cool. <clears throat> I think it is too. I do too. I think it's cool. And it's what it, good for them. And, and it's what it's what they did when they had their little window of opportunity a few years sure. ago. And they had Russ Martin and AJ I'm not sure came it changes along anything, but I, I think it's cool that they can hang their hat on a guy that's been through some hard times with sure. them and said, we appreciate it, and you're a good player, and you're going to help us go forward. And again, what a message that sends to your clubhouse, the message look, it sends to your fan, you know especially you, your fan base. You know how you make dudes happy. Yeah. Make that wallet bigger. That's right. I was going to say. And oh, it's not a chemistry it. thing. It's <laughs> give me money. You know what? You know what makes good chemistry? If I got a team full we of dudes making twenty million, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. Anyhow, there you go. A little bit of breaking news at the end of the show. It's good stuff. Eight years, one hundred and six point seven five million dollars for Brian Reynolds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And there is a bat <whistles> off the market. Yeah, that might have been on the market. I'm not sure he would have been a good fit because it would have cost him a lot. No, but, Blue Jays, but, but he could have hit second. Yeah. I wonder what Shohei Otani would get in the open. Oh, he looked look good hitting second, wouldn't he? That's it for us. Jays and White Sox continue their series tonight, 707 at the Rogers Center. Kevin and myself will do Blue Jays talk following the game. Woo-hoo. We will be back here tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fans Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.